0: Hello, oh, Tudor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carry for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is joyessence. Joyescence is a fine feast day at court. Lay, or especially dancing La Volta to the music of Master William Bird. Oh, the pleasure of springing arm in arm with a comely partner, vaulting lightly into his arms and being flung aloft.
1: Joyescence? How now, Tudor Files? What? thank you. If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with the La Volta-loving Philadelphia
0: Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. (laughs) Ah, yes. Don't miss a word. And listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. Jessica reads a chapter of Time's Riddle, and then my dear friends discuss the history behind the mystery. How diverting. So subscribe on YouTube and give me a like.
1: Thank you to everyone for listening. Tudor files are an amazing bunch, and every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. Can you give us the spelling of joyessence, our word of the week? It is spelled J-O-U-I-S-S-A-N-C-E. This was a word used in the 16th century for intense enjoyment, almost over-the-top
0: partying, a blowout. And our use of the word comes from the Elizabethan era comedy, Friar Bacon and Friar Bungay by Robert Greene, which was written sometime between 1588 and 1592. And this play is considered
1: groundbreaking because of its use of the multi-plot structure, which is so popular during this time period.
0: Oh, I do love a subplot or two subplots or
1: three. Some scholars consider Greene's play to have four plots
0: That makes it fun, but very hard to summarise. Tis so. The play is set in the reign of Henry III. It follows Friar Bacon and Friar Bungay, whose dealings with necromancy invoke the devil himself. It also follows the beautiful commoner Margaret, beloved of Prince Edward, who desires her for his mistress, while the noble Earl of Lacey desires to raise her to his own station by lawful marriage the end of the play, the two friars renounce their evil magic, and Prince Edward marries the Princess of Castile and permits the honourable union between his friend Lacey and his beloved Margaret, rather than force her to be his own mistress. It
1: is a happy ending, except for the subplot character named Miles, who is Bacon's servant. He ends the play riding to hell on the devil's back.
0: When I saw the play performed at court by the Queen's men... That was the most wonderful scene with the horrible devil and all the smoke and din. We know you love the dramatic, bloody scene,
1: Philadelphia. But that is not the scene where our word, joyousness
0: is used. Oh, no, no, indeed. That word is used by King Henry at the end of the play, when Edward and Lacey have a double marriage, and Bacon and Bungay have renounced their evil doings. The king says, You shall have welcome, mighty potentates. It's rest to furnish up this royal feast. Only your hearts be frolic. Craves that we taste of naught but joy essence. Thus glories England over all the
1: West. This play was a big hit for Green. At the time, he was best known for his pamphlet writing, especially... Green's Groth Worth of Wit. Some historians credit Green with being the first English celebrity writer.
0: Now we know him more for being one of the university wits and particularly for mocking William Shakespeare as shake scene and an upstart crow. But Shakespeare was by no means the only playwright. Green mocked. Green absolutely made his living by being satirical about all the different kinds of people of his time. Mocking Shakespeare was just part of the job. He didn't make a particular statement about Shakespeare or single Shakespeare out.
1: Whenever I hear the name Robert Greene, I think of Ben Elton's Shakespeare sitcom that takes its name from that insult.
0: Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that show, Upstart Crow. It fills me with joy essence. In the show, Green is Shakespeare's
1: nemesis. Elton makes Green master of the Revels, played as a wonderful villain by the
0: actor Mark Heap. <laughs> master Robert Green is master of the Revels for the Queen? By my faith, it would never be so. The master of the Revels is a lofty position indeed. To serve the Queen in any office is to be proclaimed her Majesty's servant. Master Green was too disreputable, too low to serve as master of the revels. Was he disreputable, Philadelphia? Oh, certainly. Master Green was low born, lower born than Master Shakespeare was, indeed. Master Green was born in Norwich to either a saddle maker or a shoemaker, no one knows. Truly, he attended Cambridge, but he had chose to live his days amongst those of the playhouse. He was a writer of shocking pamphlets about coney-catching. Coney-catching? Yes, that is a low term for thieving. The pamphlets are teeming with details of the low life of London, tales of rakes and robbers. Master Green claims to have been one himself. It is said that his mistress was a thief, sister to one of the most notorious ruffians in London. Wow. I bet those pamphlets are a great read. Sixteenth-century true crime. Then as now, people love reading that stuff. Tis so, I admit it. I procure my copies of Master Green's scandalous tales in the most careful way, sending my maid to the stationers to buy them for me. Then she brings them back, hidden away in pages of religious tracts. Oh, it does give me joy essence to commit such false deeds, though I know it most wrong. (laughs) So give heed to the files. Bring some 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with joy essence. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like.